Chefs Without Restaurants, episode 114 with Ray DeLucci of Line Cook Thoughts. And like, yeah, you have to work hard. I don't want it to be sounding like I don't want to work hard, but there's a difference between working hard and then just like not having a life at all for like your entire life. And I think a lot of people feel like that right now. Like other professions, like you said, most people grind in their 20s and their 30s. And then like, yeah, I mean, yes, they're still working hard, but they have some sort of life. But a lot of people in the restaurant industry will grind into like their 50s and they're still like barely able to make rent. And it's like, yeah, people aren't really like looking for that, you know? This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your host, Chris Spear. Each week, I'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm your host, Chris Spear. On the show, I have conversations with culinary entrepreneurs and people in the food and beverage industry who took a different route. They're caterers, research chefs, personal chefs, cookbook authors, food truckers, farmers, cottage bakers, and all sorts of culinary renegades. I myself fall into the personal chef category as I started my own personal chef business, Perfect Little Bites, 11 years ago. And while I started working in kitchens in the early 90s, I've literally never worked in a restaurant. This week, my guest is Ray DeLucci. He's the founder of Line Cook Thoughts, a platform that shares the stories of food service workers. This is done through his website, Instagram, Twitter, and podcast of the same name. Ray is an advocate for a better food service industry in regards to lifestyle and work environment, and believes these workers' stories should be heard. Ray's a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, and he's been working in kitchens since he was a teenager. He recently left his restaurant job and moved to Maryland to take a job in food manufacturing and R&D. We talk about that decision and the current state of the restaurant industry. Our conversation touches on topics such as the labor shortage, leadership in the kitchen, work-life balance, and why cooks are leaving the food industry. Ray also talks about his podcast and writing for Plate Magazine. At the time of our discussion, Ray was quarantining at home due to a breakthrough case of COVID. That led us to talk about how COVID has affected the food industry, and we speculate about what the near future might look like. And I asked Ray if he had the choice to go to culinary school all over again, would he still make that same decision to go? I edited that part out of the conversation and plan to release it as a mini-episode in the near future. It's a complex question that I get asked all the time and wanted to make it a kind of standalone episode. Also, I was a guest on the Line Cook Thoughts podcast a while ago, and I've linked that episode in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I love talking to Ray. We've had a lot of great conversations over the past couple of years. Go check out his social media pages and definitely check out his podcast. And we'd love it if you supported the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast and community. There are a few ways to help. First, if you have a business or product, we're always looking for sponsors. You can also support our existing sponsors like Savory Jobs. If you shop on Amazon, we have our own affiliate link. Or be like cool kids Matt Collins and Justin Kana and consider joining our Patreon. If nothing else, it would be great if you subscribed to the show, rated it, and reviewed it. And maybe share your favorite episodes on social media. The links to all these things are in the show notes as usual. The support means everything to me. And now, here's a word from this week's sponsor, Savory Jobs. Did you know restaurants turn over employees four times faster than most businesses? What if somebody created an affordable and effective hiring solution for the restaurant industry? 
What if there were a job site that only focused on people looking for food service jobs? What if that site only cost $50 a year to advertise for every job your restaurant needed? Forget the big corporate sites like Indeed and Monster. Our sponsor, Savory Jobs, has a job site exclusively for restaurants. The best part is, Savory Jobs only charges $50 for an entire year, and you can post all the jobs you want. And for our loyal listeners, use the code SAVORY10 and get 10% off. That's S-A-V-O-R-Y-1-0. So go to SavoryJobs.com and discover the job site that's shaking up the industry. And remember to use SAVORY10 for 10% off. And now, on with the show. Thanks so much, and have a great week. Hey, Ray, how's it going? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Doing good, and yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to have another conversation with you. We've talked a number of times now, but this is the first time you actually will have been a guest on my show. It is. I'm excited. Yeah, we did a show. I can maybe edit it at some point. I don't even know how it holds up. We did talk, what, back in December or something, Mm -hmm. but audio issues didn't really come out in our favor. I think it's hard when you try and do a roundtable, and we had like four people on the call, and there was a lot of noise and stuff. Maybe one of these days when I'm really good at editing, I'll get it cleaned up and we can release it. And we can talk about the year of what 2021 was supposed to be in food, right? (laughs) We were probably very optimistic that like, oh, COVID will be over and it's going to be a normal year. Yeah, I think I was in that boat. So yeah, I think we all were. Well, I usually start the show by getting a little bit of your backstory. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I do want to hear about how you got into food and cooking. You know, did you grow up wanting to be a chef. I know you went to culinary school. Can you give our audience a little bit of background about you and how you got into the food industry? Yeah. So as you said, my name is Ray. I'm 24 years old from Buffalo, New York. I know I didn't really grow up wanting to be a chef. I really didn't know what I wanted to be growing up, to be honest. As a kid, I really liked music a lot. And then like a little bit later on, I was like, okay, maybe I'll like, my cousin did engineering. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll go into engineering. But then I hated math. I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do. And I'd always loved food. I loved eating as a kid. I was open to trying new things. My grandfather was a chef in the Navy. My mom always like cooked. My dad cooked. You know, like you know the traditional American meals. It was, you know, I always like joke because you know I love my grandparents, but my grandma, who's like Italian, it never made fresh pasta. So I'm like, I never got my like Italian grandma to make the fresh pasta, but she makes other good stuff. But yeah, junior year of high school, my mom was like, you know, you need a vocational course because I had no, I like I don't know what I want to do, and she's like, why don't you go check out some classes? And so I went. And I checked out um, cooking and I was like, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy this. And at the time I was working at Wendy's as a fry cook. So um, yeah, it kind of just fell into place to where I started going into food. And then once I realized like, oh, I like cooking, I got a, you know, I got a restaurant job and I went to CIA and basically how I got into it. And you're still really young. I mean, I say that when you say how old you are, it's like, wow, you know, I think you come with a lot of knowledge. If people don't know you or even know how old you are, it seems like you have years of wisdom. I I feel like <laughs> I feel like I was still a baby when I was your age. When I think about like where I was at that point, so most of our people who listen, if they know who you are, know you from Line Cook Thoughts. So, mm-hmm. what is Line Cook Thoughts, and where did that come from? Yeah, Line Cook Thoughts is a brand that has definitely evolved since I first started it. It's basically just this uh, media brand and podcasts and blog that is focused on talking to industry people, sharing their stories. You know, a lot of people in the back of house, front of house even, they don't really get to share their stories a lot. So talking about that, but really that's what the brand started. When the brand started, I was a line cook. I was cooking in Buffalo, but since then I've gone into like management and other areas. But the mission has always been to just keep highlighting people in the restaurant industry, food industry, and to keep promoting a positive and um, 
just more like just advocating for like a better industry as a whole because you know i always kind of felt like i never really fit into the restaurant industry in a sense where like i'm not like i was never really that aggressive like yeah i have my moments but like you know i i soon realized and learned through culinary school and like elsewhere that you can't just like be you know rude to people in the kitchen and you know i'm not someone who goes out a lot and like parties i'm very much like a homebody stay at home work read do whatever so you know for me though i, I would like see mentors or i would see um just like pe- colleagues or people in the industry struggling to you know just be happy in life and like have uh you know life balance and so just trying to advocate for an industry that maybe offers up uh, a little more uh, i guess f- fairness to those who work in the kitchens and i think it's kind of surprising the difference between maybe the environment of a professional uh, culinary school to when you get into a restaurant. You know, like I went to culinary school. It was regimented. Everyone there wanted to learn to cook. I felt like there was a level of respect in the kitchen and classes. And then you go out into the world and you're working with a lot of people who are maybe rough around the edges, maybe aren't looking to be in it for life or learn. It's just a job. And it was kind of a shock to me that I was filled uh, that the kitchens I were working in were filled with people who really didn't want to be there and the environment was not something I loved. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been in those kitchens, um, but I've actually been very lucky to have a lot of kitchens where people were very just like, you know, even if it was just a job, they were like, they knew that the job meant something. And so I felt very lucky to just have a lot of cooks and people on my team to, you know, rely on and also, you know, just give common respect and I think that's a big thing with like kitchens is like you have to give respect and you have to be a human. And you know, I was in a management position uh, before COVID for about a year and a half. And yeah, I mean, like the biggest thing like was just like having empathy for people. And yeah, like, so, you know, it's hard to be empathetic. Like it's, it can be difficult to be an empathetic leader. It can be difficult to be a leader who is not like ruling with an iron fist. I think you get, you, I think sometimes you can get faster short-term results if you're aggressive, if you're rude, if you're like not, you know, being great to your employees, you see that all the time with people, you know, who get a lot of success and then burn out very quickly because it turns out they're the foundation they built their kitchens on aren't that good. But to actually have those relationships and take the time to build them, like it's important, especially with those people that it is just a job. Like you can't expect everyone in a kitchen to be there and be like, oh my God, this is my passion. This is my dream. Because the restaurant industry has a lot of positions where it's just a job for someone to make money to do something else or to support their family. And it's like, You can't expect everyone to have that same goal in mind as you. And I don't know that there's enough focus on leadership and even management in kitchens. You know, a lot of times it's you're the sous chef or the lead line cook and they move you up into a managerial position. But what kind of training did you get? Um, Especially as you get into single unit places. You know, I worked in corporate food service. There was a lot of training stuff. But I think in a lot of restaurants people become like a de facto manager without even having trained for that. Like what was your experience with that? Were you trained on how to be a good leader or where did those leadership skills come from? Yeah. I mean, I won't say the exact name of the place, but I was in a, just like a man, I actually started out as a manager in a training position uh, to where I was, I learned like literally like went through every station in the restaurant, including dishwashing. Like there was a, literally a week where I just did dishwashing, learned every station built a reputation with my team. And yeah, I mean, I was able, you know, I like the goal is to like, you know, be able to do anything at any time. And obviously like the cooks that have been there years can do it better than me. I'm not like, I wasn't like, I wasn't confused. It's like, Oh, I could definitely hop in the line and like do this better than you. Like there's no way, but this did give me the foundation to then be able to like 
you know, I was managing orders. I was writing schedules. I was basically running a kitchen. Um, and this, the training program lasted like, you know, half a year. And then I was just got very, I got a really good opportunity about around year, uh, like month seven to actually go from just as a sous chef to managing my own kitchen. So, yeah, I mean, I felt very prepared obviously, but then there's just like a lot of stuff you're not prepared for. And, you know, those first, that first like few months I was doing it, it was like, I was in the kitchen way longer than maybe I should have been and more days than I should have been. And it's like, yeah, it, it definitely was like, you still have to put in that work and that time. But, um, you know, I, I was very, like, it was a very good program to learn. I still think that's a rarity. I mean, you see it more with companies, you know, I worked for Ikea and it was the same thing. Like mm-hmm. when I was brought in, I had to work in the dish room, but I don't know that if you just worked at a single unit restaurant in most cities that they have a training program like that, at least not that I've seen. Yeah, this wasn't single unit. It was more like of a larger group. But um, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I've you starting to see that though with like re- some single unit restaurants having kind of like a manager and training position. I think it's good. It can definitely be hard, especially like right now. It's easier said than done. But um, I think it really does help get your like management team that experience that they need and sets them up for success. Well, you're definitely like on the ground talking to the line cooks, the people who are in the trenches every day. What are you hearing? Are there common themes, common concerns? Like what's going on out there uh, in the restaurants? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's like why I like line cook thoughts is I talk to like you said, the cooks. I don't really I mean, I talk to chefs, but there's more so like just people. And a lot of times it's people reaching out whenever there's like you know, it's like that, like if someone leaves a review, they're probably like really like pissed off. The same thing goes for like when people reach out to me, sometimes they're really just like pissed off at their situation. But, you know, for me, like the biggest thing is just talking to people that right now are just like burnt out, overworked, um, you know, due to the labor shortage. It's like, it's not like these people at work are like getting time, you know, like their workload is just increased. And I think it's like important to recognize that as well. And so like just hearing from a lot of people, like, they're tired, they're burnt out, they don't want to do it anymore, or that they just feel like they're being treated unfairly, or they're just trying to break into different sectors of the industry. And so that's kind of what I'm hearing a lot right now. Of course, there's a lot of people that like still love cooking. I mean, it's an industry. I mean, I still love cooking. It's an industry you have to be passionate for. But I've noticed over the last year, a tremendous amount of cooks wanting to leave. I mean, I just, I just interviewed someone yesterday. Uh, They literally just quit yesterday. And they're like, yeah, like, I just, I can't do it anymore. Like, my mental health and my mental well-being are just not there. So that's what I've been hearing is just a very, a lot of struggle. So. And that's so disappointing. I mean, it's such an early age to be like burned out and leaving the industry. Cause we're not talking about vets. You know, when you look at people in other careers, they have 30, 40, you know, 50 years in an industry. And you know, you're like 24 and you've already essentially left like restaurants, restaurants, you know, and seeing kind of people starting as teenagers. And by the time they're in their early twenties, like they're already over it. Like we're just kind of turning and burning. And uh, it's sad to see, because I don't think that's a good thing for the restaurant industry, unless this is the big shift we need. Like when are we all going to say as a whole enough is enough and we need to revamp this whole thing. And, And can we even do that? Yeah, I think a big thing for me uh, with my personal decision was, you know, when I was managing restaurants and when I was working in restaurants, uh, you know, there was a lot of stress involved in that. Like I said, you know, being young, being, you know, managing, like it, 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 you, there's a lot of stuff you have to learn. But I remember like thinking like, and just like looking up to like people in the same realm, like people I looked up to, and they were all like mentors who are chefs, or they were all people who were managing in that, 
in these in the restaurant group or just you know managing elsewhere and the restaurant industry and I looked up and I was like oh my god like everyone everyone that I look up to is feeling the way I feel like they're still like going into work 60 70 hours a week for me like you know you as I've told you before like one of my passions is writing one of my passions is food media that's not like what I want for the rest of my life you know I don't want to be at a kitchen 70 hours a week like I want there's other things I want to do and so while that while I love that job and while like it was like very like good for me I was like you know like I can't and like when the pandemic hit I was like I had to make a choice like I couldn't just keep going along with it and it was a very difficult decision a part of that decision was like at the time I was seeing someone and so like I was moved out of the city we were living in I was like well I feel like I should go back with them and like it just I put my life first for like the first time since starting in restaurants and like it was definitely like difficult but yeah I mean with restaurants it's just there was never there has not been an answer to people when it's like well when does it end or when does it get better it never it seems like it never does for most it seems like this grind your entire career and like yeah you have to work hard I don't want it to be sounding like I don't want to work hard but there's a difference between working hard and then just like not having a life at all for like your entire life and I think a lot of people feel like that right now like other professions like you said most people grind in their 20s and their 30s and then like yeah I mean yes they're still working hard but they have some sort of life but a lot of people in the restaurant industry will grind into like their 50s and they're still like barely able to make rent and it's like yeah people aren't really like looking for that you know I remember like when I was at a job I was trying to go to, for my grandmother's birthday and it was like you know some like it was like well there's like this important thing going on so I literally had like a like a day and a half to fly to to Buffalo and like there was a storm so I slept in like the DC airport actually and then like and this was like a couple of years ago but I remember just like I had literally had like this like 20 hour window to where I could see my grandmother for 80th birthday and then get back to the restaurant I was just like this is ridiculous like I, I like I put in all this time and it's like I can I can take two days off to go see my grandmother on her eight. like you know what I mean like just stuff like that it like really bothered me like in restaurants it's like I know I'm not going to be there for every birthday. I'm not, no, I'm not going to be there, but like for everything, but there's like something like you got to, you have to give people something, you know, like they can't just be like all or nothing, you know? Now what's the reception been from chefs to line cook thoughts? Are you hearing from chefs who kind of push back that, you know, this is the way it is, or it's just a bunch of whining. Cause I'm, I'm sure that there's still the old guard of people who do not feel the same way as you. I mean, it's mixed. You know, you get like, you get those people that are like, you know, oh, well, the weak are like being filtered out of the industry, only the strong will survive. And, I, you know, I think that's like a really weird sentiment because it's like, you know, what, what I always thought was like crazy about restaurants is that not restaurants, I want to say like, you know, just like when I was in food, it's like we're taught to love the struggle of cooking. We're taught to love the struggle of living as a cook, as a chef. And it's like we don't like we can love cooking, but we can also be like, hey, this kind of sucks sometimes, you know. And so you get people that are like that, that are just totally like, you know what, this is what it is, even though they're probably unhappy, even though they're maybe, they, you know, if they're happy, whatever. But it's just like this weird, like judgmental thing that if you want like a life outside of cooking, then you're somehow weak, which is like very strange to me. So you get that. Um, you get you do get some chefs that are like, you know, like you said, like, this is how it's always been, like easier said. And look, like I don't own a business. I don't own a restaurant. So like this is just my perspective as someone you know, who's now outside of restaurants, who's worked in them, but who talks to people daily. So I can only say like, you know, I only base what I go off of like um, my own experience and like what other people tell me, but 
I've actually had some operators that like reach out and they're like, Hey, why do you think cooks are leaving? Like, give me the reasons. And like, they're very receptive. So it's been mixed. Um, I would say it's more receptive than unreceptive, especially right now, because everyone's looking for an answer to the shortage of labor. So I would say right now, people are in a position where they kind of need to listen. So what's your advice for operators who need to get people in the door staff wise? Do you have any really great advice for them? I mean, it's like I said, it's tough, especially when you don't own a restaurant and you're giving advice to people who do run a business. So like I said, only speaking from like what, like what cooks are looking for, like a better schedule, better work-life balance. And like, yeah, we, like they understand, they're not saying they don't want to come to work and not work, but when they leave work, they shouldn't, like they should be able to leave work at work. So like, you know, better work-life balance benefits, you know, all the stuff that we've talked about for years, better pay, um, health insurance, uh, you know, like just like the, I want to say like the basics of what you would expect out of any other job, really. But I also think it's just like this idea, you know, I, we're talking about an employment ending and how I've, I've heard the sentiment unemployment's ending. So we're going to hear, see a lot of people go back to kitchens. I don't think it's going to be like that. I like, I think where people get confused is that a lot of people in the restaurant industry have gone to other sectors of food or have left entirely. I don't think there's going to be this mass return. I feel like there's a lot more people that have left restaurants than have actually like gone and like that are like on an unemployment right now. And I think a lot of people have gone elsewhere. I've seen all my colleagues pivot elsewhere to be able to just like pay their rent and make money. And so I don't like see this like giant wave of people coming back in. So I think that's like the other thing is just understanding that, you know, your labor pool right now is very limited. And if, you know, it when possible offer those benefits and those just, you know, at least an attractive job offer. Um, And like, I don't know, like, I wouldn't be setting up stages right now. Like if I was a if I was a cook in the industry right now, there's no way I'd be going to stage without being paid. There's no way. There's like, mm. you know, like and I don't like staging to begin with. I've done it, but there's no way I would be staging right now. There's so many jobs out there willing to pay you. And that's that, that's the biggest thing is like this before COVID, we operated on a system that was like people will go in and stage and people go in and work and it's like a privilege to go stage and work for free. It's a privilege to go learn under these great chefs. That's, but that's not the case anymore because at the end of the day, people need money. And like as passionate as you are, if you can't pay your rent, if you can't, you know, buy food at the end of the day, then passion doesn't mean anything. So that's like the biggest thing is like we have to get off of this like idea that, oh, well, people are just going to work because they're passionate about cooking. Like that's cool. But also people are passionate about like being healthy and having a good life. So, yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing is don't don't like stop relying on this like passion thing that I hear sometimes it's. It's not, we're not pre-COVID anymore. And I don't think that's how the industry is going to operate anymore. Well, and it's not just about pay, right? Because what I see now is all these places are so desperate. Now they're finally like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was $12 an hour, but now it's maybe 15 or 17 And I'm seeing these ridiculous things like $20 an hour for dishwashers, and I still can't find people. And I don't think it's the pay as much as it was like a terrible environment mm-hmm. and fix that problem. I mean not respecting people and not paying them what they're worth is a respect issue or or whatever. I mean, there's financials, obviously, but like I left a really good job ultimately because of the environment. Like I was there for 10 years. I was getting paid really well and had really great benefits. But at the end of the day, I was miserable and I took a big cut. Like when I started my own business, I wasn't making what I was making there, but it was like just a better environment for me mentally and and physically and just not going through the stress and drama. And I don't think people understood that. Even my friends are like, why are you quitting this job? It's like, because that it's horrible. Like, I'm just done with working in the industry. That's how I mean, that's how it was for me. 
once COVID hit, I mean, I was in a job that I was getting paid, you know, very well. And I was, you know, like career wise doing well in that place doing well, but the workload was intense, especially once COVID hit, it was like it doubled and I was like going to a new city. And I was just like, you know, I remember like thinking that whole job, like I would do anything for that job until COVID hit. And then I like, kind of just was like, wait, like I do have an option here to not do this. And yeah, it's going to be like difficult financially, but it's also going to be like me taking what like taking myself and putting myself first in a crisis right now. So I, I feel the same way. It's just like, yeah, I took that cut, but I mean, now like I'm able to like have time off days. Off. I have like three, I have three days off on my week and like I'm able to create content and I'm able to like still do something. Like I, I love my job now and I'm very passionate about it and I'm learning a whole new skill set. And it's like, it's really cool. So, so what are you doing for work right now? Yeah. So I, I'm just, I, I work as like an R and D chef kind of. Um, so it's like food manufacturing R and D mix. So basically just like making sure um, I, I'm kind of the this like person that takes an R and D concept to scale in a food manufacturing uh, setting. So that's kind of what I do. So it's a lot, a lot of R and D. It's a lot of like food manufacturing. It's a lot of like working with my team, some data. So yeah, I mean, it's a, a whole mix of things, but it's definitely like something that I'm really interested in. Is that something you actively went looking for? Like, how did you find this job? Yeah, I, de- I definitely wanted to get into R&D. Um, I think for me, it's very interesting. I'm very interested in consumer goods. I'm very interested in like feeding a lot of people, if that makes sense. I'm very interested in uh, the business of food, I would say. And so I really wanted to at least go into something that was a little different than restaurants. I didn't really know where, you know, for like six months before, during the pandemic, I was a manager for Instacart because I had, I wasn't on unemployment and I needed to get a job. And I was like, well, this opportunity is here. I might as well learn what it's all about. And that was, even that was cool. But, um, I really wanted to get into something that was more so like back to cooking. Like, you know, I can still cook, I can still be with food in a sense, but also I can still have this like opportunity to learn a whole new skill set about like, you know, food business and you know, how it all operates and, you know, direct to consumer goods. And so that's kind of what I was looking for was just like a new challenge. Maybe not, I w- didn't know exactly what the role is going to look, look like, but definitely wanting to get into an R and D setting because eventually that's what I'd like to do. I think there's a lot of opportunity, you know. You're able to take that skill set anywhere. Um, I'd love to like go live in different places. I'd love to work on different concepts, and so yeah, that's kind of what I was looking for last year. Well, and we kind of jumped over it. Um, line cook thoughts. We talk about being a community. You you also have a podcast. How many podcast episodes do you have now? Do you know offhand? Today will be 141. Wow. So you've been doing that. So you've built this whole community around Line Cook Thoughts. You also talked about content and writing. So I know you've written for Plate Magazine a bunch. What are you kind of doing in the writing, podcasting, and content space? Yeah. So I guess starting with writing, um, you know, I've, I've always loved writing, even as a kid. I think that's like, the, if, I, if there was ever like one thing I've always wanted to do in my life, it was write. So I love writing. Uh, I write for Plate Magazine. I've been writing for them for about a year and just like back of house issues. Um, I just reshared on my Instagram, actually, an uh, article I wrote that was basically saying, like, just to give you an idea, this article was like, leaving restaurants doesn't make you a sellout. And so like, topics like that deal with like back of house issues or maybe what people are thinking. You know, also just like working on a book right now. I know I emailed you uh, recently. Basically, what my idea for this book is, is to take my idea of line cook thoughts, this idea of sharing stories daily, and just make a book like, you know, going over different topics, having chapters be about certain topics and having cooks and people in the industry like comment on them. And so that's the idea for the book. And then podcast wise, I mean, the podcast has been going for almost three years and I'm just, you know, interviewing industry people, 
um, and just having the, like really interesting conversations. There's no criteria for like who can be on. It's literally like sometimes I'll have just like cooks starting out. Sometimes I'll have like, you know, people very like well off in their career. And basically what the podcast is just really just a gateway for me to talk to people in the food industry and get to know more about them. Do you anticipate keeping that going for a while? Yeah. Oh, I mean, definitely. I have stuff lined up, obviously, for the next few months. But yeah, I don't ever really want to stop because I, I meet so many cool people and there's so many cool opportunities. Like my opportunity for writing came from the podcast and like I just, yeah, I love doing it. So so any other big things you're working on or is this enough on the table right now? Um, Merchandise will be dropping soon. I did do it before, but I was doing it kind of by myself. But now I have a system in place to where merchandise will be back up and running. So really looking forward to that. Uh, YouTube starting to put up actual recorded videos of the podcast, which I've never done before. So doing that. And yeah, like the biggest thing I think right now on top of mind is this running fundraiser. So like for the month of October, uh, myself and whoever wants to join, I'm going to be running 40 miles to represent the 40 million meals that World Central Kitchen uh, had, you know, served during COVID-19 relief. So that's been the biggest thing, just uh, the fundraiser in October, raising money and raising funds for World Central Kitchen. That's an amazing cause. Did you do that last year? I did that last year for No Kid Hungry. We ran 47 miles to represent the 47% of uh, households with kids that like were experiencing hunger during that time. So, Wow. That's a, that's a lot of running. <laughs> yes. I picked up running last year during the pandemic. It was like uh, June. I, I always wanted to like run, but I hated running. So then like one day I just started running. I think last summer I ran like 130 miles um, between June and September. So I think like it was very therapeutic for me last summer to be able to run and just like listen to music and have my own, you know, you're, you're, it's a different feeling when you're challenging your own physical body to do something. And so I think that was like really fun. It's my time to listen to podcasts or catch up on music and stuff like that. I really enjoy that. Like, one hour in the morning like I try and go walking as soon as I get the kids on the bus like have my headphones ready (laughs) to go start the day before it gets to be 100 degrees this morning's beautiful if you haven't been out yet yeah Um, well I also like to find out a little bit about people and their culinary style like what do you like to cook what do you like to eat what's your what's your style I mean eat I'll eat anything except ranch dressing I hate ranch dressing uh, <laughs> I can't, I'm from Buffalo. So wings and ranch dressing is like a, a original sin, but yeah, I mean, I'll eat anything. I mean, it, you know, really it just depends. I feel like all like chefs are kind of the same that like, we just like stuff that maybe isn't, I don't know, like I'll go in, I, like, I love sushi. Like sushi is a big thing for me, but I also love like food trucks and I love, you know, going to taste new places. I'm not really like a, um, chain guy so much i mean i i do like there's like this like running joke with my friends i do like olive garden i know hate me for it but no i i definitely just like going out to and trying new things but you know if i were to think of like one meal if i could like if i had all the money and all the time it would definitely be sushi i love sushi uh so much or just japanese food in general but yeah i mean cooking style is you know it's it's interesting because you know if i'm cook like i love making like basic stuff like pasta pizza like when I had friends over like three weeks ago I made pizza it was like really delicious and they really enjoyed it so like I like stuff like that you know I really loved when I was like in culinary school and like in a fine dining restaurants I loved like really intense like fine dining plates and I definitely like still once in a while have the urge to like make something that's like a, like that would be considered like elevated but for me it's just like really like stuff that's basic and tastes good like making soups or like when I'm at home like I said making pasta and like I, I live by myself so there's not like a, 
demand for me to like really go out like just making something that tastes good but i'm definitely like pastas or pizzas and at home are definitely like some of the things i like but i also like trying new things too like i'll i definitely in the next month plan on making ramen out of the ivan ramen cookbook again i made it like two years ago and it was like an all-day affair so challenges like that but um yeah it's kind of what i like to cook oh, that sounds fun i have the book but i haven't made it yet i i have way more books that i look at for inspiration that i've never made anything from and i <laughs> yeah. probably need to either stop buying books or start making more food that's fair <laughs> same here though are you still someone who tries to learn things like um for your media type stuff, like, are you learning how to be a better writer or mm-hmm. are you trying to learn how to podcast better? And if so, like, where are you getting information from? Yeah, I mean, I'm always trying to learn. I mean, I read a ton of books to start uh, just about different topics. I think a, a big thing has been more so like personal growth, personal development. But I mean, like podcasting, you know, just like YouTube videos or online, uh, like how to upload a YouTube video. I was watching a YouTube video on how to do that. Um, writing, working with my editors. You know, Liz, Caroline, Chandra, who was at Plate before, all very, you know, great people and just like really love working with them, reading other people's work with writing, uh, listening to other people's podcasts, seeing how they do it. And then just like for at work, like, yeah, always asking questions, always being open to new things, you know, having meetings with people that necessarily aren't in my department, just learning what they do. Uh, You know, I definitely think like you have to remind yourself a lot of times to keep learning because you can get so consumed in your life into what you're doing. But uh, yeah, I'm always definitely open to learning and listening and, you know, progressing because yeah, like you said, I'm 24 years old. I have a lot of time, hopefully knock on wood left to like keep learning. And so just being open to the opportunities that come my way and not ever acting like I know everything, which is tough because ego is a very uh, difficult thing to put down sometimes. It most definitely is. Uh, I love Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy. Have you read that? It's my favorite book of all time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That book is amazing. Well, what do you want to leave our listeners with today? Any nuggets of wisdom? Nuggets of wisdom. Um, Or just anything in general that we haven't gotten into? Yeah. I mean, I love to kind of, I don't know how much time we have, but I love to kind of like get your thoughts on the or maybe just talk a little bit about what we like, where we see the industry going. I know we had this 2021 podcast that we probably all got wrong. Um, you know, with COVID, with like, I, I don't know if you know this, but I actually am just recovering from having COVID. I'm vaccinated and like the last, like I got, I had a breakthrough case and in the last two weeks, I've just been kind of, I'm, this is my, this is my last day of quarantine right now. Oh, that's scary stuff. Like that's <laughs> what I fear so much. Yeah. I mean, it sucked. I was like, it was weird. Cause I had felt, I felt odd, but then I was like, well, maybe, you know, this is very like bad sinus weather right now too, at least like down here for me. Like I, like the pollen count is high. Me too. Like I'm on two allergy medicines and I still feel like crap every day. Yeah. So like I thought it was allergies and then the next day I kind of got like chills and I was like, all right, this is definitely not allergies. So then, but, and I was supposed to actually go on a business trip or work trip. And so I was flying out the next day. I was like, you know, I'm vaccinated. I, you know, I don't probably don't have it, but I'm going to go get tested. And turns out I was positive and I mean, I, like, like I lost my sense of smell, which means like I lost, I mean, I have some of it back, but it's not like a hundred percent, um, just fatigued, a lot of stomach issues, luckily no fever, luckily no like respiratory issues, but yeah. So I mean like, you know, just like in getting COVID, even with being vaccinated, like it kind of has shaken whatever, you know, like I'm still like, feel like I'm safe and obviously I'm healthy and like, I didn't have it terrible, but it's like, you know, you got that, va- I got vaccinated and I had this like sense of like, you know, I still wore my mask and whatnot, but I was like, you know, I'm pretty good. And I mean, maybe now that I've had COVID and the vaccine and I wear a mask, I'm like hoping that maybe that's enough to not get it again. But it's just like, 
you know, it, it just shows that like this virus is like, it just has a mind of its own. And it, it, we don't really know still like talking to doctors about my symptoms and be like, Hey, like I'm starting to get like, no, like it was like day eight where I started getting nauseous again. And I was like, Hey, like, is this normal? And like, we, you know, it, all the, like there's no like clear cut answer to anything. And so it's just like, I don't know, what are your thoughts like moving forward? Because for me, it's like COVID, it, it seems is going to be endemic. It's going to be like how we see the cold, not saying it is like the colder flu, but I've been reading reports that we're not going to hit a point where it's going to be like total immunity. It's going to be, end up just being like another thing that we get vaccinated against and it's just around. So that being said, it's like, I don't know if like, we're like, if that means like, as we come to that realization, do we start to go back to normal even more? Um, because, you know, I see people out now like at concerts, at restaurants, at like bars, like super, super crowded, no mask. And I'm like, like, this is like kind of scary. So like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on like where yeah. we're going? I know it, it is scary. I try not to be judgmental. And I find that the thing that is most, well, maybe not most bothersome to me is like how judgmental you become of like people who especially were friends. Like we have people who we're close to who are on opposite ends of the spectrum with us as far as like safety and precaution. Like I've got friends who have not gotten the vaccine. They don't believe in it. We have mm -hmm. friends who have never masked, like even during the height of COVID, like go to a park with the kids and the sign says like must wear a mask. And they're like, we don't wear masks. And you know, it's really hard because people like you liked and respected and want to hang out with. Now it's become this issue where it's like, yeah. you know, um, so that's something I've had to deal with. For me, it's been hard because we still have kids at home. I have nine-year-old twins. They're both unvaccinated. So, you know, we're living to kind of protect them. Like, I don't know if I was your age, if I was younger, single, didn't have kids, relatively healthy and vaccinated, like maybe I would be eating out in restaurants. I thought 2021 was going to be the year of me dining in all the places that I wanted to go to. And I have literally still not eaten inside a restaurant since March 2020, like I, zero indoor dining at all. Yeah. So if you're not doing outdoor or takeout, I'm just not eating there. Um, yeah. And I still think there's a, a subset of the population who are like that. I think we're kind of dwindling out. But, you know, it's things like in my hometown here, uh, we had a lot of outdoor dining, you know, parking lots converted to dining areas and taking over sidewalks and stuff. And then the regulation was like 30 days from the end of the state of emergency, it had to be taken down. So September 15th was supposed to be the deadline. And they kind of told everyone like, clean it up, dismantle everything. And yeah. our city's kind of given them like an extended window. But that's the kind of stuff that I feel like people like me aren't going to be dining in restaurants. How many people are like me and won't be dining in restaurants? And how much does that affect their businesses? Right? Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're only thinking about restaurants. Like, what about the businesses downtown and how, you know, they've lost parking spots now because they're taken up by sidewalk tables or we've closed down the streets for dining and now people can't get to the flower shop or the candy shop or, or whatever. So I, I do see that or that the city's not getting revenue because now they're not using those parking meters. So I do understand that that's a bigger issue that, you know. I can't even conceive of some of that stuff, but I think we're still in this weird window until I think kids can get vaccinated. I think until everyone can get vaccinated, I still mm -hmm. think we're in this weird time where you're going to have a big section of the people who are not going out doing things they normally do. But my wife and I talk about all the time that we think this is going to be like the flu, just like this thing that you get, like that we're all eventually going to get COVID. Everyone's going to get COVID, but hopefully it's not going to be that bad. Yeah. Um, hopefully by the time if I get it, I will have had like maybe this next booster or, you know, next year shot or something. And mm -hmm. I'll have built up so much of a, a resistance that it won't be terrible. But 
I don't know, this thing keeps changing. And as it keeps uh, mutating and we keep getting new variants, like who knows? I think all bets are off with this one. Yeah. And the reason I guess I bring this up is like, I guess if there was like any nugget of wisdom, it's just like, like you said, like this, uh, for anyone like like listening to restaurant workers and listening to people in the industry and it's like whatever decisions are made now, if someone wants to leave the industry, if someone wants to go in the industry, it's like no one knows what's going on. And so like if you're like someone listening and you're like on the fence about making a decision that was like benefit you, but you're like, well, maybe it's not like the best thing for my restaurant. Like you, like I feel like everyone just has to do what they need to do for themselves right now, regardless of judgment of others. So if you need to leave restaurants you want to go back into restaurants like that's like the been the biggest thing for me is like you just got to do what's best for you because like no one knows what's going like what the future is going to hold and so yeah i don't know man i think it's going to be interesting to see how our industry kind of evolves over the next few years i mean you know i think the biggest thing that shocked me is just the number of cases still and like the number of like even with like the you know obviously like there's a lot of people not taking it seriously and i think we've gone gotten very lax and so yeah, I don't know. I just I hope that by like 2022, hopefully we're having a podcast where it's like, all right, like we're getting somewhat back to normal. But um, yeah, I just would like I guess any nugget of wisdom is just like you know just, just like do what you need to do. Don't worry about like what other people think type thing. In terms of like wear a mask, like care about what other people think, care about other people's well being in a pandemic. But like in terms of like your career, would do what you need to do. So. And I think there are amazing opportunities. I mean, how many businesses, uh, you know, people say they're tired of hearing the word pivot, but like there have been a lot of opportunities to change your business. And I think a lot of the businesses that have succeeded and done well have been very open to changing their business model Mm -hmm. and changing how things work. And I think there's going to be some great business things that come out of this. Like for me, I literally never used Instacart before the pandemic. Like I didn't, I was cheap. Like I was trying to like crunch numbers with my business and then you're just like, one, time is the ultimate value. Uh, two, like, I don't want to go in the store and be around all these people. And it's like yeah. literally changed so much of how I operate my business. The fact that I can go and spend 30 minutes picking up two deliveries as opposed to like six hours driving around and shopping in all these stores to what, pay 5% more? Like totally worth it. And now all these stores, hopefully forever, are going to have like curbside pickup. And, yeah. you know, if I never went back to shopping in a grocery store, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, using Instacart like over the last two weeks to get groceries because obviously I, I I can't leave my apartment. So it's like yeah, just like having all these new ways of like living and you know obviously there like comes with like you know you need to be able to afford Instacart. So some people can't do that. So it's just like yeah, there's still like like obviously for everyone it's different. But yeah, I mean there's definitely a lot of different ways of going about living. So and it is gonna close more businesses if we don't get things back to. I don't want to say normal or the way they were before, but a lot of people like kept holding hope that like, oh, this is only going to be a couple weeks shut down. Oh, a couple mm-hmm. months shut down. Oh, we'll be we'll be good. And a lot of people are finally stretched so thin and they just combined with the worker shortage, the increased price of goods. I mean, food is ridiculously expensive right now. Yeah. Um, so like all those things combined is like a perfect storm. And I think we're going to lose a lot of not just food businesses, but businesses in general. Yeah, I mean, and then you saw like the jobs report and you saw like how the economy is doing right now. It's like, it's tough. It's tough. Like I said, I don't own a business. I don't operate a business. And, you know, that's like the thing I think we also can lose sight of sometimes when talking about food businesses or restaurants is I'm obviously like pro worker. I like want people in the restaurant industry to have like a good life and to, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be better and needs to be fixed. But I also think that being an operator, an owner, a business owner in the food industry is just as tough 
And I think that even like the structures or the the systems we have in place for even business owners, like, you know, talking to a, a business owner and saying how expensive it is to afford health insurance for his team, you know, just like stuff like that, that we don't know. A lot of people don't know or realize because they never owned a business. So it's like, I definitely empathize with people that are struggling as like operators right now too. It's not like, I don't ever want it to be like, oh, like business owners are evil and like cooks are good. It's like, no, it's like not that at all. It's like everyone's struggling. How do we get to a point where both parties are having a very like, like a, a life that is like feasible or a life that is actually healthy for you? So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's tough to see. And it's just like, you know, hoping for some relief at some point. But I don't know it, it, when you look at the news and you just look at how it's going. I mean, I mean, you looked at like the new variant Mu, for example, I read that the peak was in July, but that it's like like vaccine, like it evades the vaccine. I'm just like, it's like with this virus, it's like there's something new every day that's so like dark or like so like just bad news. And I'm just like, we need some like positivity here so at some point with this thing. So that's why at some point you just have to say that like things are going to be the way they are going to be. Uh, not to be depressed about, but like I can no longer hold out hope that like things are going to be better in a month or like hold off on my plans and say, well, like I'll change this next month or in two months when we're out of this. Like, I don't know that we're going to be out of this in the way that we all hoped. So now it's like, what does your day-to-day life look like? And stop like hanging your hopes on like tomorrow, if that makes sense. No, it, it totally does. Like this idea of just like, you know, like you said, like we, you know, when we started this, we were like, oh, it's only going to be a couple months. It's like, just, you know, I think a lot of people have become resilient and adapted. And I think we're, you know, I don't think it's all like doom and gloom. I think people are like really adapting and being resilient during this. I mean, we've all gone through something like it's all, it's been tough for everyone at various degrees. Like, yeah, it was tough for me. Like I, I left a job that I liked and, you know, other personal things happened, but I was never sick. I was never in the hospital. So it's just like, you know, it's tough, but it always, I always like have this like gratefulness too. So. Yeah. Well, um, Let's end on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were a uh, flavor, what would it be? A flavor. Well, that's an interesting question. Like a specific, fl- like, uh, I'm not going to give you any help here. It would definitely be something savory and salty and nutty. I would say like, I don't know, exact flavor, exact taste, like, uh, aged Parmesan cheese. Okay. So a little salt, a little salty, little umami. Yeah. Umami. Like, I don't like, I'm not a big fan of sweets. And a classic for sure. It's a, uh, yeah, it's been around for ages. Yeah. yeah. I like to ask, I like to throw a weird one in there. Sometimes I throw it out as the first questions to throw people off balance. <laughs> no, that's fine. Good icebreaker. Reliable, you know, something you can trust. Workhorse in the kitchen. Yeah. Nothing like uh, too, uh, too crazy. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I'm so glad we could catch up another time. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. It's definitely, uh, I can't believe like it's been this like I know we've talked so much and I was like wait I've never actually been a guest on your show so I think that was really cool to finally do it thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast and if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show please let us know we can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com thanks so much